This is Rob Stein, and welcome to the Impossible to Fail podcast. I'm a multi-business-owning entrepreneur that has cracked the code to launching careers to massive success. Over the past 20 years, I've developed a life-changing process that has allowed me to achieve a level of wealth and financial freedom that I previously thought was only possible for the select few. These principles are universal for any industry, and I've personally applied this process to transition from a teacher with a master's degree to an award-winning music composer and publisher, championship-level bodybuilder, top-producing real estate agent and team leader, and entrepreneurial coach. If you want to achieve the financial success and time freedom that you deserve, you simply need to make it impossible to fail. Welcome to another episode of Impossible to Fail. It is truly impossible to fail with today's guest. I've been looking forward to this for a while. Anne Malum, uh, what an honor. Anne is an entrepreneur, CEO, athlete, philanthropist, multiple, multiple business owner who has created over $100 million, nine figures of net worth for herself, recently sold a monster company. She's done TED Talks. I mean, we have a total rock star in the call today, uh, and it is an honor and a pleasure to have you here, and thanks for being here. Oh, thanks so much, Rob. Happy to be here and looking forward to our chat. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're gonna dig right in. I'd like to start with probably the, the biggest headline that a lot of people know about you right now. Um, you developed Solid Core over many years, and you recently sold it. Yeah, I, uh, I did. I sold it a little over three weeks ago. So I uh, feel like it's been, it's like, oh my gosh, that's, ha that's happened so long ago now. Like it's such a weird, a weird <laughs> feeling. And I think I feel that way because, you know, it wasn't like a phone call overnight of I'm ready to sell my company and perfect. This person's going to buy it. You know, yeah. I've, I've been working and knowing that this was going to be the outcome. And uh, when the business was really performing mm -hmm. um, very well last year and just continued to beat our projections at the end of last year, we're like, you know, the, we have a real opportunity here. And um, so we started to explore some some options and talking to some private equity firms um, and had a good amount of interest and found a partner and a deal that made a lot of sense. So yeah, that transaction got finalized uh, late April. That's incredible. Congratulations. That's, I mean, Thank that's a you. massive accomplishment and for sure, like you said, <laughs> not, not an overnight thing. Um, what was it like? I mean, you, you poured a lot of time and energy into that company. So what, I mean, it must've been a bit of a, even though the numbers made sense, it still must've been a bit of a struggle, right? Like what, what was that like? Because you really, that was like your baby. Yeah. But of course you're leveraging that into other things. So how, what was that like in your mind? Yeah. So, um, listen, there's plenty of things I'm not great at and plenty of mistakes I made along the way, but, uh, expectation wise and succession planning have been things that I put a lot of time and effort and energy into mm -hmm. knowing that when I took my first, you know, dime of private equity money back in late 2017, right. As soon as you introduce private equity to your company, um, you need to be very sure that you want to have an exit at some point. That is yep. the whole point of private equity existing. They need to get a return on their capital. Yep. And I knew like I am, you know, a tried and true entrepreneur. I love to create and build things. And before Solid Core, I had a nonprofit that that frankly, I had even more attachment to. Mm -hmm. um, I started this nonprofit out of my personal hardships from being a teenager up to 26 of my dad's addictions and um, I turned to running to really get myself through that. And 10 years later, I found myself connecting with people living in homeless shelters and, and started a running club. Well, at first it was just supposed to be a running club and really 
quickly I saw this vision that um, it could be something a whole lot bigger than that. Mm-hmm. So spent six and a half years, you know, creating, building and growing a fully fred, fully fledged, you know, nonprofit with 50 plus staff around the country and helping thousands of people use running as a vehicle to change their identity so that we could create more self-sufficiency in their life. So when it was time to move on from that, I I really fought that one, Rob. I was like, wait, like this was my calling, my purpose. You know, not a lot of people are able to take their hurt and pain and turn it into not only good, but, you know, it was my it was my employment. I employed 50 plus people, including myself, Mm -hmm. um, by helping people. So it was it was my first lesson in growth. And I think if you ask 100 people that if they want to grow, 99% of them say yes, but what growth is, is letting go. We Mm. cannot open up ourselves for something new if we're going to hang on to everything that we have. And that's really been um, a a value of mine in everything that I've done. And Solid Core was no different. Like I knew what what my talents and skill sets were for Solid Core was the beginning stages taking calculated risk, setting it up for growth, uh, getting the right infrastructure, the people, you know, capitalizing it and really getting brand equity um, in a big way. And I had felt, I mean, frankly, I was ready at the beginning of 2020. Like that was our plan. We had hired Mm -hmm. bankers. And then, of course, everybody knows that the pandemic changed everybody's plans. Um, So I, I stayed, of course, you know, through that really difficult period and and got us through it. And we raised $50 million of private equity in early 2021. And then I um, I promoted my COO to CEO at the time so that I could start that transition knowing yeah. that the next time that there is a transaction, you know, it's going to be I'm, I'm exiting. So I feel really fortunate to um, have made the decisions and surrounded myself with the right people and and people that I just trust that I know are yeah. going to take incredible care of the company's next chapter. So it's been a lot easier than expected because I've been working toward it. It wasn't like some surprise that came out of nowhere. Right. Wow. And and I read on your website that uh, you you shared a lot of that with a lot of the people that help you build the company. Yeah, you know, I put what's called the LTIP. So it's a long-term incentive plan in place for my employees after my first round of private equity. Mm-hmm. And everybody always says, oh my God, Ann, that's so generous. And I'm like, listen, it feels generous because no one else does it. But the reality is, Rob, it's the right thing to do. Yeah. And I wouldn't I wouldn't have received the amount of money, the payout, the mm-hmm. transaction without a team. And any leader who, I, I mean, the whole point of that is hopefully to inspire other people to look around and say the same thing. Now, did the majority of those funds go to me? Of course, I took the big risk, the entrepreneur, there's nothing wrong with that. But if you can't say, gosh, some of this belongs into the pockets of other people who helped put this company in this position, I just thought it was smart business and and the right thing to do. And I hope it inspires, you know, I hope the people who received that, the money that they got, you know, said, okay, how did I get here? Mm. Who do I need to look around and maybe share a little bit of these proceeds with? Because no one gets to where they are by themselves and it's really easy when you hit it big to think that like you know you deserve all this and i'm not saying that you don't but i just think you know you don't you don't build a hundred million dollar company by yourself (laughs) yeah i mean we all we all have help in life and i and i think sometimes people in certain aspects feel like asking for help is 
is weakness. Like, oh, I can do this myself. I can do this myself. But if you, if if anyone thinks back to anything major that they've accomplished, it's ne- it's never been done by yourself. Of course, you had support. Yeah, whether it was a family or a teacher or a coach or a mentor, or if you're using a certain product to accomplish your goal, well, another company built that product that you're using. It's it's always an effort. And when you mm-hmm. said that you made sure to surround yourself with the right people, I'm sure that made it a lot easier for you to complete your vision and also to to take that unknown into the the private equity game a little uh, a little bit easier because as you said you know growth is it can be scary because it mm-hmm. it's unknown and and by human nature we want to stick with what we know totally. and what's comfortable but but when fear of the unknown presents itself uh, a lot of times we we, we find that by having the right guidance and the right support, we can really make that transition a lot easier. And it sounds like you had that with the team that you had in place. And of course, you probably hired great people to help you make that transition so you can lean on their guidance. So even though it might have been unknown to you, well, it's not unknown to them because this is that's their gig, right? That's their profession. So I'm sure that surrounding yourself with the right people helped ease that fear to make that to, to give you the confidence to move forward. Yeah, it definitely did. And, and you know, it's just a matter of, of leaving the company in the hands of people that I trust that I have worked with. You know, my, my executive team has been there, several of them for, you know, five plus years. My CEO I have worked with for five years. I've gotten to see his integrity, mm-hmm. you know, and his ability to make very data-driven um, decisions. He is a sound, critical thinker. He's fair. He People respect him. Um, his decision-making is just, again, it's really hard to poke holes. Whether, whether or not Brian and I disagree, which we definitely have, I, I, I find I build trust with people if their judgment is sound. If I can yeah. understand and they can explain their thinking, yeah. I'm like, I can, un- I get it. Even though I would go this way, I completely see what you're doing. And, you know, that, that's, that's to me is where trust is built. But I would like to just touch on one thing that you said, which is, you know, the whole, we hang on to things that are familiar. That is the biggest reason why people don't grow, Rob, because mm-hmm. we sort of tell ourselves, oh, well, if it could get worse. So we hang on to relationships that like are three or four. We stay in cities, homes, jobs, everything. We live in this kind of constant low level of frustration that isn't big enough to make us change. Yeah. And I think, listen, there's a lot of contradictory advice in the world, right? It's like, go after your dreams, but be grateful for what you have, (laughs) you know, plan for your future, live for today. And you can find any of those things, whatever it is you're looking for, right? Oh, you deserve it. Live a little, stay disciplined. I mean, seriously, it's like whatever advice you're looking for, someone will give it to you and tell Mm -hmm. you that that way of thinking is the right thing. So, when I look a lot at my life, you know, I will assess it. And it's a really great tool to just sit there and think, is this serving me? Is this something I'm really benefiting from? Am I learning? Am I growing? Am I happy? Am I proud of X relationship? And just, you know, if we're not willing to make that constant life assessment on a consistent basis, I think that's when we end up in a state of regret, whether that's at the age of 30, 40, 50, at our deathbed, whenever, if we, if we know we didn't push ourselves. If we know we allowed complacency and accepted, you know, the bare minimum, I think that's when guilt and shame and yep. regret really start to permeate our inner selves. Oh, that is that is so good. And that's so true. And, you know, like like you said, there is a lot of contradictory info. And I think a lot of times people ask 
other folks for advice. Now, I'm not saying everyone shouldn't have an opinion, but I think if you're seeking advice on a certain topic, who you ask is very, very important. Crucial. Um, you, you know, like, because like you said, whatever lenses you want to look through is what you're going to look through. And it's also important to ask, what do I want out of life and am I getting it? If the answer is, yes, I truly, deep in my heart and soul, am getting what I want, okay. Like you always want to look for self-improvement, but maybe you're on the right track. But if there's something deep down that says, you know, no, I'm not getting what I want. I want more. Mm -hmm. I, I want more out of life. First of all, that's okay. It's that's okay, okay to it's okay to have a good life and want more. You know, my wife and I both used to be middle school teachers. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, many years ago before I got into business ownership and entrepreneurship, and I was surrounded by other teachers who complain about their job every day, but won't do anything about it. And when I quit my job and told them I was running my business full time, uh, it was nothing but fear and doubt. And why would you do that? You're tenured. Do you have a pension, right? Those are the wrong people yep. to ask, should I run my business full time? Because by definition, they feel comfort in job security, even though it doesn't bring them fulfillment, even though they, they complain about their job every day. Right. But when I went to talk to other business owners, yeah, they were all, yeah, you should do it. I can do it. You can do it too. Let me help you get there. And hanging around that crowd was when my mindset really expanded. And a lot of times those folks you ask for help, if they're deeply rooted in a different mindset than you are or that you want to be like, I think the people you ask for advice should be people that have a valid opinion. If you want to ask about, Hey, should I really do this thing or like go out into living my own purpose? Ask someone that's done it. Well, Rob, and there's a few things on that one subconsciously, we ask people or we, you know, we know, we, we know on some level the answer we're going to get from certain people. Mm. We are looking for that answer to justify yes. our yes. behavior. So I'll give you an example. I, you know, I don't really drink anymore, very mm. rarely. And mm -hmm. I really didn't, I didn't, I like, quit for the rest. I quit from uh, May from last year to the end of last year mm -hmm. because I had gotten in this habit, a decade long habit of having a cocktail most nights. Mm -hmm. And, I, you know, listen, I work out every day. I eat very healthy. I'm yep. successful. I have a laundry list of buckets over there that justify that behavior. Mm -hmm. So, of course, I would talk to people who also have a cocktail or two a night and I would just get that feedback loop mm. of like, yep, we're all doing, we're all killing it in life. And like <laughs> alcohol isn't impacting us. Yeah. I had to start surrounding myself with other people and start doing some additional research to understand what I was putting in my body and mm -hmm. why, and like mm -hmm. the psychological effects. Why am I, why, why do I crave this at seven o'clock at night? Mm -hmm. You know, anyway, and I think that it's really telling and we have to take ownership. We know the friend to call when we want to <laughs> Yes. Right? You know, we justify know, we my know, decision, please. <laughs> yeah. I know yeah. my mom is entirely risk of, I know what she's going to say and I'm mm -hmm. looking for her to say that. So I feel better about myself. Mm -hmm. So I completely uh, agree. If you want to be an entrepreneur and you've been justifying not doing it, go talk to six entrepreneurs. We're going to tell you to go for it because you're going to find people who will believe in you and tell yes. you that it's the right thing. And then you're stuck with, okay, uh, now what, now I don't want to do it, but they all told me that, you know what I mean? So yeah. I just think it's interesting that the, the, the decision we, we make on who to talk to on things. Yeah, absolutely. But, but surrounding yourself with the right people, like the right tribe, you know, you really are the average of who you surround yourself with. You know, your income is the average of those you surround yourself with. You want to make more money, go hang around people 
that make more money. If you want more fulfillment, hang around people <laughs> that are very fulfilled right? yeah. Be because you need to learn because, you know, there's a, a lot of times I think folks that have a different level they want to achieve look at other people that have achieved that and they might think that those people have some some magical X factor that I don't have. They're blessed with it. I'm not. They got it. I don't. But the reality is that they just think differently. They yeah. think differently about things. And then those thoughts lead to new actions that lead to new results that lead to new thoughts. And it's like this awesome cycle that is kind of self-perpetuating. But it's a thought process. And I think a lot of times people say, well, how do you make this money or how do you do this? And they just look like for the very tactical steps. I do this thing, yep. then I do this thing, then I do this thing. But it's so more, it's so much more than just being tactical. It, it, it's the way that you perceive and think about these things that then leads to the actions that you take. And anything that you want to accomplish of substance is going to be challenging, which is why the tactics just aren't enough. You have to have your mind dialed in to apply those tactics. And then if things don't go as expected to continue to keep moving forward. And you have a lot of experience that in business and, and in fitness also. Yeah, totally. And, and, you know, listen, there's always going to be whenever I have found that someone either wants to criticize me and it'll happen through our own family members, right? Because, you know, I'll, I'll give an example. I, I love my family for who they are and I've accepted them and I wouldn't say anything on this call that I hadn't, yeah. you know, said to them or talked to them about. But, you know, my, I didn't come, I didn't come from money. Mm. Um, the kind of money I created for myself is, you know, obviously in a very small percentage of the people out there. Yeah. And it can, I don't want to say it makes my family uncomfortable, but it's sort of like, you know, I can feel judgment from my, from my mom or, you know, in certain ways of like, well, why do I need all that much money? I'm like, no one needs, you know, this, this amount of money, mom. But the reality is I'm a great businesswoman and entrepreneur and there's nothing wrong with money. And I have found that people either demonize money who don't have it for themselves, haven't figured out how to create it for themselves. Mm -hmm. And they try to take this moral high ground you know, that, well, I don't need that much. You know, I, you know, no one needs that much. I'm like, no, you're, you're, you're right. But it doesn't mean that I'm evil or I'm bad or that I built this wealth for myself in a way that I'm not proud of either. That's yeah. not just like people who have money must've, you know, taken advantage of people yes. or, you know, done it. And I'm like, that's just not, that's just a story that you like to tell yourself yes. so that you can feel better about yourself and think you're a good person if you don't have money. And that's, I, I don't tolerate that. Yep. You know, so I will lean into that conversation because that's not about me. It's not even about money or wealth. It's about that person's particular um, view of money and their own selves of, of, of wealth. So just know whenever someone's either criticizing you for, frankly, even, you know, like when people, right, I'm sure you got this from being your bodybuilder days. Oh, must be so nice to have all that time to work out. <laughs> oh, must be, must be right. nice. Gosh, yeah. I wish I had that. And it's just like, girl, please, you want to show me your calendar and I will find you an hour right. a day to be physically active. Like, yeah. I don't care. I don't have kids, but I have plenty of parents who, mm -hmm. plenty of friends who are parents who have kids. <clears throat> I have friends who have multiple businesses. Mm -hmm. I have people who are very particular about their time and it has nothing to do with having more time in your day. It's energy management priorities and goals. That's yep. it. hundred percent. What's the saying? Like, if you want something done and done right, give it to a really busy person <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and they're going to get it done. I mean, when yeah. I was competing, you know, I was a full-time teacher and building my business and still competing. Right. So I would right. get to the gym at 4 30 AM, do cardio, go to school, 
like come, you know, after school, go do weights, then more cardio, come home, work on my business until like 10 o'clock and do it all again. But, but you know, that's also not a forever thing. And I think when, when you want something really substantial, it's always got to be delayed gratification. It's always got to be, you know, some sacrifice now to get what you want later. And in this society of, I think, you know, I think social media is largely responsible for this. We just live in an instant gratification world. And mm-hmm. more and more people, as generations go on, were, were born with that ability to have instant gratification. And so when it comes to accomplishing things of real substance, you know, I remember one, one time I was getting ready for a show. I was a couple weeks out, so I'm all shredded and I feel like garbage. And I'm in the locker room and some dude comes up to me. He's like, man, bro, how do you get those abs? And I don't want to talk about that. That's a loaded question. Like, I don't, I'm like, man, you know, I'm just doing my thing. He's like, is it just like salads and running? Yeah, sure. It's just salads and running. And he goes, man, I'm doing what you do, but it's not really working for me. And of course I've been like six months weighing Mm -hmm. every gram that goes in my body, bringing a cooler to weddings and stuff. And uh, I'm like, well, how long have you been doing it for? He's like, man, like 11 days. (laughs) And I, I feel like that's a lot of where people are at, because when you're trying to do something really substantial, you obsess about it like all the time. And so if you try really hard for something for a month or two, it feels a lot longer. And like, man, I should have have what I want by now. But the reality is if you don't have what you want by now, there's a reason it could be you're doing the wrong actions. It's usually, in my opinion, it's the actions, it's the consistency or the time. Are you taking enough action? Are you doing enough things if you are doing enough things, are you doing them consistently enough? And if yeah. those two things, and usually one or a combination of those things is not right. But if they are, sometimes it's just time. Sometimes right. you, it just takes longer. Anything, you know, getting ready for my first show took way longer than I thought it would. Building yeah. my first and then my second business took way longer. I'm sure for you, right, getting solid core up to a point where you could sell it, uh, you know, substantially probably took a lot longer than yeah. you thought. But of course it was worth it. Yeah. And I think that it's really, you know, I see a lot and I used to be one of these people too. And you hit, you hit a really important point because we do live in a place where people just think, okay, I want success, you know, over, overnight, I want this. And especially when you're starting out, you know, listen, when I, I, I remember being in, I was literally in credit card debt, Rob, when I was 26 years old because I was throwing up, I got into credit card debt by throwing up my food. I'm not kidding. I had such an addiction. I wouldn't eat. And then I would go to the store and, and buy ice cream and candy. And I was doing that five times a week. Mm. So I'm spending, you know, literally 30, $40. I mean, it was crazy when I yeah. think back, but it's reality of what I was going through. Mm-hmm. And, you know, then I think, okay, once I started back on my feet, you know, I, I, you know, got through my food addiction and then I started saving money and then I started, you know, charging for my speaking. But like, I didn't have, you know, a dime to my name back then. And you had to be very just vigilant and, mm. and, and ridiculously consistent with what I was doing with my money. And over those next, you know, seven years, which took me, took me seven years to save $175,000, which sounds like a long time. And it, and it was, but then I had enough money to say, okay, now I, I, the reason I was saving money and it was important to know, as you said, what are your goals? Cause if mm. you don't, if you don't have goals that resonate with you and you wanted to do this, you know, bodybuilding competition, there was something that was so motivating that you were willing to bring a cooler to the wedding. Right. You knew that the outcome of that, that you were driving toward was worth more than the immediate gratification of yes. just like, well, it's a wedding. We're celebrating. <laughs> that means you can, you know, drink whatever you want, eat right. whatever you want. 
I always make the joke around that, Rob, that like it's somebody's birthday every week. You guys, so, you know, like there's a, especially if you live in an office or, or you work in an office mm-hmm. or there is literally something to find every day for you to get off track yep. and it better be worth it because if you're off track that often, you're just never going to get to where you want to go. So yep. anyway, yes, 170 have got five grand after seven years to start my own business. And then it was 10 years to get to this point of, of getting it to a position of selling it because of the ups and downs, the unpredictable, the pandemic, mm-hmm. which you know, obviously stole two and a half years of growth from us. Mm -hmm. You know, there was tons of those things that you have to navigate, but you stay consistent to, at least for me, why I was doing that, why it mattered so much to me. And I never lost sight of that. And there was never anything, you know, in the, you know, on a day-to-day basis that could, that could get, you know, in that way. So, Yeah. 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 That's so good. I do, um, I do a lot of mindset coaching in, in the performing arts space. And mm-hmm. I was uh, on a uh, coaching a group webinar last week, about 60 people in one of the top performing arts organizations in the world. So they are like literally musical athletes. It's mm-hmm. extremely mentally and physically demanding what they do. They're touring every day. And it, it's just so it's so draining on all levels. Sure. And a lot of surrounding questions came from, you know, how do I how do I get my crew motivated when they're not feeling it? Or, you know, we've been on the road for so long and I'm just beat up and it's another long day and we have to practice. And then we have a performance in front of like 30,000 people tonight. Like how, how are we going to stay motivated when it's just so draining? And it always comes back to your purpose for being there mm-hmm. and your why, why are you there? What are you looking to get out of it? And, and really that whether you're an entrepreneur or a performer, and this podcast is geared towards entrepreneurs, so we'll use entrepreneurship. You have to know why. Typically, like, you know, money is great. You can do a lot of good with money, but money is a how for most people. It's not the why. Mm-hmm. And so you have to remember what that why is because that why is counting on you. And when things get really hard, when the, when the pandemic hits and, and things take a nosedive and you're like, oh my God, what am I going to do? It, it, you have to remember what the why is what your purpose is and that, and trust that is trust in yourself that you will not let failure be an option and you got to do whatever it takes. You know, I say failure is only failure if it's permanent. And I believe that every entrepreneur has a guarantee of success, which is themselves. And as long as you know that you will do the work, well, then it's not a matter of if you'll succeed, it's just when, and then the best thing you can do to guarantee the shortest timeline is to surround yourself with the right people to get yeah. coaching, to get mentorship. So even for you, I'm sure in the pandemic, when that crazy thing happened, and I can only imagine how that might have affected a business of your magnitude at that time, what did, I'm sure that surrounding yourself with the right people and whoever you were looking for for advice was probably a huge key in keeping you on track in addition yeah. to your own grit. Yeah, there's actually there's a couple of things I'll say about that because I think it's important to talk about changing our mind too. But Rob, in the pandemic, there you know there was not even a thought, and I never you know not let alone a thought versus saying it out loud that I ever said, "Oh my God, I'm going to lose everything." Right. It literally wasn't even an option. Mm-hmm. Like I'll be damned if this whatever this is, you know, we were six and a half years into this at this point. I'm like. This isn't going to be the death of solid core. Right. Like I, it, it just mattered too much. I cared yeah. 
too much. Yeah. It was, I will do whatever it takes. And I, I, I'm not trying to, there are obviously a lot of businesses that, you know, didn't make it through, through COVID, right? We made some really smart operational decisions. And yes, we had a, we had more resources than other people. And I had access to people who I leaned on for mm -hmm. advice. And the first guy I talked to was uh, a board member that we had who was a big executive at Marriott. Mm -hmm. And if you remember back in March when things closed down, we all thought like, I don't know, this can be like a couple weeks. Yeah, right. And, you know, he was like, and this is not going to be a couple weeks. Like Marriott, like we have more information than you guys do. Mm -hmm. Like we, you need to lay off all your staff. And because my plan originally was, okay, we're going to keep people on for two weeks and then make a decision from there. Well, we mm -hmm. had a still a really large payroll at that point. Yeah. And if we would have kept people on for two weeks, we're setting the precedent that we can afford to pay you when we don't have any, all of our, all of them were closed. Right. So now we're saying, okay, we're just going to fund employees for not doing any work. One, we didn't think it was actually in the long run going to be good for culture. We had to let them know transparently yeah. what was going on. And thirdly, like we, that everybody's been playing in for unemployment for exactly moments like this. Yeah. And so we were one of the first people to lay people off. We were, we were the first in the fitness industry and we got a lot of flack for it. Yeah. And it's like, if you're going to, I'm like, I cannot be wavered. I am making this, this decision in very sound judgment. Mm -hmm. I can deal with the few days or weeks of criticism. It is my job to be transparent and explain my decision-making to the team. They don't have yeah. to agree with it, right. but I, but I will let them know why I'm making this decision. And now I said that before about changing your mind. You know, Rob, I've been engaged twice and I never went through with those engagements mm. and I didn't want it bad enough. It wasn't the right thing for me. Mm. Maybe I shouldn't have said yes in the first place. Who knows? But that period of being engaged allowed me to say, this isn't actually my life partner. So there's a difference in not letting yourself lose yeah. and changing your mind when something is no longer right for you. Yeah. And there can be people's businesses of running businesses for 10 years and saying, you know what? This is no longer the path I want to take and go forward. I'm going to move in the process of shutting it down because it's your life at stake. Yeah. Like you don't have to just, you know, grind and be miserable because you started a business 10 years ago <laughs> and that, you know, you're, you need to get it to some point of exit when you're like, that's going to take 10 more years. Are you willing to give it that when you just don't really care enough? So I really think everything is circumstantial and you have to decide is the time and energy, which are, you know, things you can't get back. You can always make more money. You can't make, you know, more time, right? Yeah. You're only going to yeah. be, I'm only 42 one time in my life. Um, and for where I am, what is most important to me? And that's why I say constantly assessing that stuff is really key and knowing what it is you're working toward and why, yeah. and you're also allowed to change your mind. Yeah. Yeah. It's having a vision. I think a lot of people have a general idea of what they want but they don't get very specific and you might, they, well, I want a great quality of life. Awesome. What does that mean? Yeah. Like, what does that, what does your day look like? Right. What are you spending your time doing? Doing. You know, I recently realized, um, with, with one of my com companies, uh, I own a real estate coaching company that's really scaling very quickly. And, but my ultimate vision is to be able to spend more time with my family. Mm -hmm. Yet I'm scaling this business in a way that requires me to be at the front and center of everything that's going on. And even just at a conference I was at in San, San Diego this past week, and I realized that these new business decisions I'm consciously making a decision to start on are like the opposite 
of my long-term vision. Now, my ultimate like face value, provide a great, great quality of life for my family so my wife can raise our daughter. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Like, so that, like, okay, this will grow success. It'll bring in more income. I can help more people. But the long, long-term vision, like the ultimate vision of like spending more time with my family, it is going in the opposite direction. Mm -hmm. So I had a big realization, well, I need to, I was planning on starting another arm of the business that I decided to, and I was really excited about it, but I decided over the weekend, like, no, I got to shut that down. Yeah, because, good for you. Thank you. But, but, but it's going to require more of my time and it's going to yeah. take me away from my long-term vision. So now I'm, I'm X that one out, talking to my mentors about starting something new. And now I'm in the process of getting my team and hiring some new people into my existing businesses to keep it running and keep providing great value that actually allows me to get closer to a vision. But I've been an entrepreneur for 16 years and still just had this realization that a lot of my actions are not contributing to my actual long-term mm -hmm. vision of my why. And I really had to have a long, hard think, like, what do I really want? And, and, and start taking actionable steps to get, the, uh, to get there. Yeah. And it's smart to, I mean, listen, changing direction, Rob, again, you were a teacher for how many years? Uh, eight years. Yeah. And yeah. so, you know, and I think about our parents' generation, my mom and dad had the same job their entire lives work. Mm -hmm. My mom was a school teacher, third grade for mm -hmm. 30 plus years. And it's like, that's what generation before us really yes. did and honored. Right. And it was like, that's discipline. You're, you're committed, yeah. you're loyal. Yeah. And it's like, we live in this amazing world right now. If you're able to, and just think about podcasts like this. I just posted about this. I'm just like, Guys, there is so there is more information expertise available to people today than any other time. You don't have to go to school to learn how to code. You don't have to, you know, go to whatever to learn about money. There is imp free information out there at a level that has never that is mm -hmm. unprecedented today and then, you know, 2 years from now it'll even be more so yeah. that we can learn how to do anything if you want it bad enough. Right. So exactly you're like I'm not going to be defined by oh gosh, I've, you know, got my degree and in education and therefore that is all I'm able to do. No, it never has to be that way. And I also love what you said around, okay, I want to build these businesses and make money because I'll give you an example of Solico after that transaction. I love to build and create and I need to be able to do that. Like it's yeah. really important to my well-being, regardless of how much money it creates. I get that through volleyball, creating community. Like there is something around that that allows mm -hmm. me to do it. But now when my when now when I come to and say, okay, I can make money a whole lot easier, right? My, I got money making money when I'm sleeping, you know, and once you have enough money, it's, mm -hmm. you know, just compounding. So you start to, I start to look at my time a lot differently now. Yes. You know, I've raised my rates. You want me to come and speak? You want me to consult with you? You know, I know my expertise and what I'm great at, but I also know what my time is worth. And it's yeah. X amount, you know, you want to book time with me, it's 2000 bucks an hour. Yeah. I don't care if that pisses some people off. It's my time. And, yeah. you know, I don't have to give it to anybody who wants it. So anyway, it's just really to continue to level up as we look at how to spend our time and energy. And again, yeah. Uh, and where our money goes, it's just, I think it's such a valuable tool to give yourself that assessment. Am I making the same money I was 10 years ago? Why? Yeah. Shouldn't you be more experienced 10 years, 10 years later? Like, yeah. you know, advocate for yourself and learn about money and how to make money if that's important to you. But there really are not a lot of excuses today because of the access that's available out there. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's right there. And even, even like 10 years ago, it's, it's just, it wasn't where it is now, but I don't, yeah. I don't know if there's anything that you can't learn for free yeah. <laughs> or deeply discounted. Uh, I mean, even if you're willing to sift through YouTube enough, you could probably get 
incredibly skilled in anything for free. Well, Rob, it's like, again, look at the bodybuilding, right? You don't get to be in bodybuilding competitions. You had to educate yourself. Yep. You had to learn like that guy that was like, oh man, what are you doing? I, I often see women at the gym, you know, literally they'll be on the elliptical machine for the full hour. Mm -hmm. And I just want to be like, oh, this woman is willing to do the work. She obviously is mm -hmm. dedicating the time. Yeah. She just doesn't, she's not educated. Right. She doesn't know what's going to help her achieve her goals and, right. you know, staying away from weights and who knows if she's just eating salads. Mm -hmm. And a lot of us have really good intentions, but like, we don't know what we're doing and we just think like, oh, I'll go exercise and get the result. That guy, if they would just eat water and whatever, you're like, no, dude, I eat 300 grams of protein a day yeah. and I time it out <laughs> right. or whatever it is. Yeah. But like, there's usually more to it. So you don't have to, and like, that's the thing about information. You don't have to make it a guessing game out there on what you think that you should be doing. There's a lot of experts who have proven results yeah. on what it is that you want to achieve that they've already done. Yeah. With, with a certain, I agree completely with certain things, especially with like weight loss and business for some reason in weight loss and business, it's like, like a lot of people have college degrees they don't use, but mm -hmm. they have an intention of using them. So, well, I have to go to college cause I need to learn. I don't know how to do this thing I want to do. So I have to learn how to do it. Well, for some reason, when it comes to like weight loss and business, people don't think that like, well, I really want to get in shape and have an amazing beach body. I don't know how to do it. So I'll just figure it out by myself. Or let, yeah, I want to start a business, yeah. but no, I'm not going to hire a coach. I'll just figure it out by myself. Yeah. And it, may, it makes no sense when you think about it that way, but you're just robbing yourself. And then you're going to say, well, well, this doesn't work or that doesn't work. Oh, business ownership isn't for me. Or I tried every diet and it's not working, but you really just never had guidance or you probably didn't have the consistency, exactly. especially with, with nutrition. I think people go to so much extremes, like I'm going to do keto or I'm going to do carnivore. It's like, why don't you just eat a balanced diet, learn how to portion control, do some mm -hmm. resistance training four to five days a week and a little bit of cardio. And like 99% yeah. of people are going to be awesome with that yeah. protocol. But it's, we live in such a society of extremes that I think it's easier for someone to go to that extreme than to, than to ingrain a little more self-discipline in their life. Yeah, totally. Well, again, learning business or it goes back to the point of asking people certain questions. If I was going to go hire a personal trainer, I wouldn't hire somebody that's 50 pounds overweight. Right. I would probably say, I don't know if our physical fitness goals are the same. And, you know, and I also, this is off topic, what I'll say anyway, I hate that we can't talk about bodies. I mean, I'm in the fitness industry yeah. and I started another fitness company and I hate that. I'm like, are you kidding? We can talk about everything else, but we mm -hmm. can't talk about our own bodies and what yeah. we want them to do and how yeah. we want them to look like you don't, you don't have to want your body to look like I want my body to look, but for goodness sakes, I am working out at the gym to, to get stronger, right? Mm -hmm. I'd want to continue to build my muscle mass because I know what that's going to do as I continue to age yep. and keep my bones strong and whatever. And aesthetically, you know, I like to look lean and toned. That's my aesthetic that I'm going for. That doesn't mean somebody else has to go for that. Right. You know, that's a completely different podcast, but it's just crazy <laughs> that we can't talk about physical fitness from a results perspective when, you know, you wouldn't go to a financial planner and be like, ah, you know what? I'm just here for, you know, mental health. I don't care if you lose all my money though. Like we can't talk about the results <laughs> right. of like financial investing. It's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Right. I agree. And I, I think, you know, everyone should live the life that they want to live. And I'm not here to judge the way anybody mm -hmm. lives, but don't pretend like you don't want to be healthy and have yeah. a, and have a great body. Like 
Right. Everybody does. And that's okay. Like, it's okay to want that. But yeah. I think it goes back to what we said earlier where, well, I don't know how to do it. And I'm scared to go all out to do it. So I will justify my decision mm -hmm. of complacency and staying where I am with, no, I'm happy with how I look or the results I'm getting, whether that's money or whatever, when you're really not. Right. But, and then you have your friends who are also not yep. passionate about taking action. And they say, no, don't take action. You're fine just the way. And I'm not saying you shouldn't love yourself or, and I'm definitely not saying that your identity should be tied to the results that you get or how you look. But there's nothing wrong with wanting more and being like not being complacent with a certain aspect of your life, whether it's the money you're making or the body you have or because you can change that, right? I can't and, get taller, but yeah. I can, but I can change pretty much anything else about right. my body, right? I can't create more time, but I can create more money if I know how to, how to do, and, how to utilize the time better. And Rob, I'm, I'm going to take a wild swing here and say that, you know, your best days are very similar to my best days. Did I show up? Did I, did I feel challenged? Did yeah. I contribute? Yeah. Did I work hard? Yeah. You know, it's, I think there's this misnomer about like, oh, once you get to be successful, you don't have to do a fucking thing. And it's like, that is not what any, but I don't want that. I don't want to just lay around, do nothing, not work out, not, yeah. you know, watch TV, be yeah. passive and consume. I want to contribute. I want to yeah. learn. I want to grow. I want to challenge myself. Like I want to physically challenge myself, mm -hmm. like all of those things, regardless of success. And the more success you get, the more you want to continue to elevate. So yeah. those are the days you feel the best when you are producing for toward the goals that, you know, and the values that you say that, that you have. And, you know, that is why I'm moving my body an hour plus every single day. It makes me feel great. Yeah, absolutely. I recently, a little, maybe a few months ago, changed my routine to just, uh, I always work out five days a week, but now it's the first thing I do 4:30 wake up in the gym at five. And it's just an awesome way to start the day. You know, yeah. no one's up yet. I can focus. My phone's not going off. No one's yeah. bothering me. But then you get home, you've already done your workout, you've, con you've conquered that much already, and everything just gets easier. And I agree with you that th those days are definitely the days I feel best. Like days where, I mean, you know, you're, a biz you're an incredible business owner, right? Fires come up, and those days where you're kind of forced to react to things, like, you know, you're glad you got it done, but those days are not as fulfilling because mm -hmm. you're just being pulled rather than being able to proactively produce something, create something, get closer to your goals. Those those days are awesome. And, yeah. and I'd like to circle back to what you said also. And I, I agree with this. I say this frequently that sometimes there's a misconception. And again, I'll say social media is largely responsible for this where you might, you know, see someone like you, right? Nine figures. And a lot of people might say like, oh, Anne must never have struggles. She's awesome. She wakes up looking great, feeling great, no stress. And that's not true. Entrepreneurs and business owners, the more successful you get, the bigger the swings get, the bigger the numbers get, but, the, but there's stress and, and doubt and all sorts of stuff going on. But the difference is that we just choose to take action anyway. We choose mm -hmm. to push through it anyway. We don't fall victim to those things and we yeah. make sure that we take action. Whereas most people experience that fear and that doubt and that hesitation and that cynical voice saying, oh, what if this doesn't work or what if you fail? And, yeah. and they let it stop them. But the reality is people of all levels experience those same emotions. The only difference is number one, we surround ourselves with the right people to train our minds to look at the positive and keep moving towards the goal that we want. But also, even if there is some doubt or fear or hesitation, we just take action anyway. Mm -hmm. And that's the only way to keep moving.
Yeah. Yeah, totally. The victim thing is really important because I, I hope anybody, you know, listening who maybe is an entrepreneur as people like this. I was at a retreat recently and there was a particular woman there who, you know, says she wants to grow and learn, but man, this woman was so attached to her victimhood. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she needed to be told that you actually, what you figured out is your victimhood is the only way you get attention. So you keep playing mm -hmm. the victim Poor you poor. I'm like, you don't think that everybody in this room has had horrible things that have happened yeah. to them, big trauma, little trauma. Yeah. You have to make a decision. The only person that loses by playing the victim card is you. Yep. Your life is not going to change. I went to Tony Robbins, who I'm a big fan of people, either I find love him or hate him, but he did the same thing with someone in the audience who's just like, I've been depressed for whatever. And he's like, that's because you like being depressed. And he was like, no, I don't. He's like, yeah, you do. If you didn't like it, you wouldn't, you would do something different. <laughs> right. But you're, right. you're, you haven't listed one thing you've tried differently over the years. Yeah. You're getting attention from people. Oh, poor you, poor this, poor that. People come by your side, comfort you and whatever. But I'll tell you what, at some point, those people you keep calling, it's like sitting across from somebody and that person constantly, every time you talk to them, tells you how awful their relationship is. And you're mm -hmm. just like, Oh my God, you've been saying this for the last five years. Yeah. And, and uh, Naval Ravikant, his book, I think he's, he's like, you have three options with anything. You accept it, you leave it, or you change it. Mm -hmm. And those are the three options. Yeah. Pick an option. Doesn't mean <laughs> you're, you can't mull something over, but for right. goodness sake, you know, if it's constant poor me, victim, I can't change anything. I'm so disempowered. Your life is going to stay the exact same while everybody yeah. else, you know, around you tends to figure things out and move on. So I yep. just think the victim card is one you got to be careful of playing because it's, again, the only, it's detrimental to you and nobody else. It is. And it's very self-perpetuating because then yeah. you're putting like this self-identity on you. It's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like, oh, this happens to me. This always happens to me. Well, then those things are going to keep happening yep. to you until you, yes. until you do something, until you change something about it. And the reality is that, you know, like for sure, you know, some people might naturally have been blessed with a certain, like if you're, you know, blessed into a family that has uh, uh, loving parents and they have a lot of money, like, of course. sure, like you have a better uh, starting point for certain aspects than if you come from a broken family in poverty, right? But there are still no shortage of stories of people that have come from unimaginable childhoods yep. and have achieved incredible things despite that, there's no shortage of that. And, and especially in today's society, at least living in America today, um, again, I'm, I'm not, not trying to say that it's not easy, you know, it's not easy or that certain people might not have certain advantages, but playing the victim today is just, there's no, there's no excuse for it. Of course. And of course, I mean, listen, I am, um, I spent six and a half years working, you know, in the throes of the homeless situation. So I met a ton of people that I have a lot of respect for and Rob, their stories were the same. Like yeah. no one in the no one living in a homeless shelter, I shouldn't say no one, 99% people did not come, you know, from a stable home, right? They all came from disruptive homes, yep. you know, neighborhood, very, you know, tough neighborhoods, tough school systems, tough role models, yep. all of those things. Of course, those individuals are going to have a tougher uh, way forward. And I completely, you know, obviously believe that, but I choose to take a path of empowerment yeah. and say those circumstances, you can't change. Right. Yeah. I grew up with an alcoholic, you know, father and a gambling addict as a father, whatever, like I can't do anything about that. 
And we have to decide that we are either going to say, I'm going to, I'm going to heal myself in some way, form or fashion. I'm not going to accept the emotional inheritance that comes mm -hmm. down from this certain situation. I want more for, for myself. And I will always choose to lift people up and empower them yeah. regardless of their situation. And I think, you know, this, that will get a little bit political, but there's almost sometimes way to the liberal left that it can feel that it's almost like you're you're not giving people even a chance. You're telling them that they don't have a shot. Right. And I just I just don't believe that. I would never tell somebody that. Statistically speaking, yes, it's much harder for for a lot of people out there, but that doesn't mean that they're not capable and like can't figure it out and can't have the life of their dreams. Absolutely. Now, at the conference I was at in, in San Diego this past weekend, Anthony Trucks was uh, one of the speakers. And mm, I don't he know who that just, is. Uh, Anthony Trucks, uh, Aw Shift is his framework, but he, he's mm -hmm. an NFL player, an incredible okay. speaker, great framework, awesome, awesome human. And um, he, you know, he, I mean, he inspires a ton of people. And, you know, he, I mean, he went to, uh, he was in foster care in a ton of different homes, abused. He would tell stories about how one of his foster parents would literally put him in a shopping cart and roll him down a hill into incoming traffic, like really wow. insane stuff. And here he is, you know, years later, you know, he went to the NFL. He's a speaker. He's inspiring mm -hmm. people. Like, I mean, talk about opposite sides of the spectrum. Yeah. And again, yeah. for sure, it was hard, harder than someone right. not being in foster care. But, but the, again, there are no shortage of stories like that. And I agree with you from, again, not to get too political, but there is a certain victimhood baked into certain political aspects, I think, of right. of today's society where um, people are just, well, I'm a victim, therefore, this is what I need and what should be handed to me. Yeah. And yeah. I, mean, I, I, I mean, will say that for sure, like when I used to be a teacher in New Jersey versus mm -hmm. a business owner in Texas, a lot of my political perspective changed. Dude, but, same. Right? Same. Because because when you're a business owner and no one gives you anything. Right. And any money you make is from your own blood, sweat, and tears. And then all of a sudden, and you've been through the journey. And then one of your employees who just starts and is not working nearly as hard as they should says, Well, I deserve this much per hour. You're like, bro, you don't even you don't even know. <laughs> yeah. like, and so that definitely definitely has changed a lot of my perspective for sure. Yeah. And I actually think that's a real sign of intelligence when people can uh, change view. It's really hard. Like our actually amygdala, which is where the fight or flight takes place in the brain. Mm -hmm. It goes the same with belief systems, Rob, believe it or not, that when we are so, and, it, and it's that way around politics and religion, think about how rare it is for someone to change their mind on religion mm -hmm. or, or abortion mm -hmm. or again, politics. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, gosh, like that's a real sign of somebody's life lived, learning and growing when that can happen. And through the yeah. pandemic, I had the same thing. I'm like, I was just so much hypocrisy on the left. I, you know, I definitely have my fair share of gripes with the right as well, especially mm -hmm. as it relates to a lot of this bullshit around, for me, uh, ab abortion yeah. and, you know, transgender. I'm like, yeah. my God, let people be who they are. It doesn't affect you. That's yeah. like fascism, for goodness sakes, trying to control who people are, that they don't fit into your box. It doesn't impact you. You need to let people at some point make choices for their own, for their lives and yeah. their own selves and like, yeah. let that be the case. Yeah. But yeah, I, uh, I'm way less, you know, and I'll tell you what really gets me because I will appreciate that when, you know, there's, I'll pay your fair share of taxes. I'm like, well, 
what is my fair share? Because you know there is no cap. So you want to talk about a $100 million paycheck. So federally, you're already talking $20 million goes to the federal government. Mm -hmm. So me as one person, you know, $20 million is not my fair share. What is it? 10, five, you know what I mean? Like, it's just such an easy soundbite that people don't really even understand, you know, what, what it actually, what it actually means. And that's when I'm like, oh, like, what are the different realms and rainbows of the political spectrum? I agree Mm -hmm. with this part over here from the left. I agree with the right. Actually, I agree with neither of them. This is much more of a libertarian, you know, stance that I'm taking on this particular issue. So I think that's always a sign of intelligence when we are challenged and thinking and being open-minded about um, big, big, big uh, trigger issues for a lot of people. Yeah, for sure. I agree. I agree. As, as we, Near, near the end, I do want to hit on one topic that we talked about a little bit before we started recording, but I'm always, I love talking to high-level athletes that are also entrepreneurs because I think when you're an athlete at a very high level, there are so many commonalities of, of achieving success in business. So, so you have run a marathon mm-hmm. on every continent. That's, yeah. a, I mean, that's incredible. You started a running club and, and I... While I, I did get into running a little bit before I, I found bodybuilding and then I really fell in love with bodybuilding and found my sport. But one of the similarities that I'd love to get your thoughts on, like with bodybuilding, one of the things I loved is, you know, it's an offense only sport. I'm competing against myself. Mm-hmm. I have no control over the other people that are showing up. It's just me and my own work ethic and doing better every day. And like you and your running community, right? There's a bodybuilding community in the gym and you're going through the same struggles and the same journey with people that are working out. And it is an incredible journey to push yourself that hard, just like I'm sure it is to be able to run a marathon, much less traveling all over the world doing it. So what are, what are your thoughts on how, you know, you're, you're running and I know you're more into volleyball and other athletics now, but what, what are your thoughts on how like running shaped your, how did running bleed into entrepreneurship for you? I'm like, well, running was my metaphor for everything in my life, right? Like I started running when I was 16 to deal with my dad's addictions and some family problems we were having as a unit. And I didn't, I had all this negative emotional energy. So, Mm. you know, running when you're doing it, I'm like, ah, you know, moving forward, get it. Like, I just (laughs) got to keep moving forward. Mm. You know, I can't actually go out and run seven miles if I'm not going to do all the miles in between. There's no shortcut to running. I got to do all of the work to get the end result. And, you know, when hills would would come my way and I would have the debate in my head of like, oh, God, maybe I should just go left or right or turn around. I don't want to go up that hill. That happens in life all the time. Am I going to take the easy way out? Am I going to look for the excuses, which are in all of our pockets? Or am I going to just like push up the damn hill and see what I'm made of and hope that if I keep working and pushing through the hard stuff, that there are going to be some flat roads with less potholes ahead. Mm -hmm. So it just, you know, it shaped my whole mentality about work ethic and, you know, doing the work uh, ourselves, which is why, you know, back on my feet, the nonprofit I was talking about, you know, when, when I'm working with men and women in homeless shelters, you know, they have to come out and run at 530 in the morning. It's mm-hmm. like, I, you know, everybody's got to do the work, regardless of your circumstances here. There yeah. is no shortcut and no one's going to come out here and move your legs and run your miles for you. Right. We can do it together and make it a little bit easier again when we do hard things together. Mm -hmm. But that is why, you know, Rob, that organization, you know, got so much attention because you just said it. Anybody who's out running and as an athlete, these guys living in shelters were running three days a week at 530 in the morning. So people were like, wait, what? How can someone who's homeless 
who's lazy and dangerous and a bum and all these negative things mm -hmm. be running at 530 in the morning because that person is focused, disciplined, yep. respectable, respectable, mm -hmm. hardworking, mm -hmm. you know, all of this stuff. So it just didn't make sense. And yep. that's how we were able to change identity and help get these guys placed in jobs and homes mm -hmm. through them doing the work themselves and yep. wanting a different life. So yep. sport is an unbelievable metaphor um, for life. And, you know, you're not getting paid. I wasn't getting paid to go out at 530 in the morning. That was like real, I'm getting a lot out of this and yeah. I'm going to keep myself focused and disciplined enough yep. to, you know, do this every single morning. And that makes me feel good when I keep that commitment to myself. Yep. Sports. I love that. Sports brings an incredible amount of confidence and it's not necessarily, I mean, I think there's nothing wrong with admitting like when you've, when you, feel confident about how you look mm -hmm. like that adds confidence for sure. sure. But, but the, the consistency, the keeping that commitment to yourself, especially something that challenging, like I'm the kind of person that wakes up and I'm running at five 30 every day. And then right. in the mornings when, when you don't feel like it, but you do it anyway, you do something because that you're hard anyway. anyway. Exactly. Yes. That's the, the James clear habit stuff. No, yeah. I'm not the type of person who hits snooze. If I'm sick, that's one story. But like, right. if I'm just tired, I'm not, I'm not hitting snooze here. Like I'm not that type of person. And yeah. I think again, those, those identities that we create for ourselves that we know are going to be there when we don't want to always get up and do it. And I'll tell you guys, you think that anybody always wants to get up and go do it? Of course not. It's the people who choose to do it anyway, yeah. when they're not a hundred percent ready to go and get up in the rain at, you know, 5am, like you do it anyway. Yeah. And I do think that, you know, I, I, a lot of times when I'm doing a lot of the mindset coaching, one of the questions I get is, Rob, how long does it take to form a new habit? And mm -hmm. habits usually say, what, what, what do I, when I ask them, what do you think is a habit? And they say, well, it's pretty much something you do like on autopilot. You don't really think about it. And, you know, the, the, the answer, I believe, is, well, I think habits start as disciplined decisions until they turn into habits. I think mm -hmm. it becomes a habit once you start seeing positive results from the disciplined decisions Mm -hmm. then it becomes easier to make that decision until now it becomes habit because the results that you're just so motivated to do it that you don't really have to think about it anymore. So for yeah. example, like I used to wake up, you know, between like five 30 and six, like, you know, a year ago. And I thought that was early. And then I was listening to an Ed Milet podcast one time. And I'm just like, man, it seems like all these crazy, awesome entrepreneurs just wake up really early. There must mm -hmm. be something to that. And he talked about this method where, okay, so each week you're going to wake up 15 minutes earlier until you get to where you want to be. So I was like, all right, I'm going to wake up at 4.30. And it wasn't always easy, but I, I made the disciplined decision to do it. But once I consistently did that and I was like, yeah, I feel awesome. I get home and it's still dark out. I conquered the day. Like I feel better. Like I got it out of the way. There's And, and so then it took, a, you know, it took a few months but now I'm, you know, most days I'm pretty content to just like, up, oh, I'm at him because I know the benefits that I'm going right. to get from What time it. do you go to bed? Uh, 9.30, Yeah. Okay. So that's like, yeah. You're, so you're getting like six, yeah, six between six and a half and seven. Yeah. 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 And that's, that's works for you. Everybody needs to figure that out as, you know, as well. I'm not a 4.30 person. I like 6 a.m. is still like, I'm good with that. Right. Um, but I love what you just said. Huh. There's something to that. Let me try it. Yeah. I'm going to try it and commit to it and give it 30 days and, you know, go to it with an optimistic behavior and yeah. see how I feel. That is exactly how it happens. And, yeah. you know, every time it might not work for you, but you're not going to know until you try some of this stuff. That's right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, last thing I want to talk about, because this is super exciting. You're launching a new company. 
Mm-hmm. Right? You're launching a new thing, Ambition. It's a new fitness and wellness concept, right? You exited solid yeah. core, massive success. You're starting Ambition. What is Ambition? Yeah, so it's actually already open. I uh, I, I raised five million bucks last year for it, but uh, we Let's opened go. in. Thank you. We opened in March, and we are a. You know, listen. When I was running around to New York and all the different, you know, um, boutique fitness, they all just did one thing, and they did it really, you know, really well. But I'm like, mm-hmm. man, it's like I got to go here for this, here for that, and here for this. And I was like, I think we're getting to the point where there's nobody really doing this well, where I can put four concepts. Uh, four different modalities underneath one roof of what all the modalities that people want. There's no gym. It's just the group classes. Keep the community, which boutique fitness does really well, but able to provide a few options to help people achieve their fitness goals. I am a big proponent of not just doing one thing. You just do Mm -hmm. one. If you're, you know, if you're just going to run, you're missing out on a whole lot of other physical fitness benefits that you can be doing by cross training. So we have athletic conditioning, we have peer strength, we Mm -hmm. have an athletic flow, and then we have a recovery class. So all these classes are meant to work together to provide you with an overall optimized fitness journey in one, one location. That's incredible. Congratulations. That's amazing. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. We opened two, two more studios in the next like 30 days here in, in, uh, in Manhattan. So we're pumped. <laughs> That's amazing. Huge yeah. congrats. So, Thank and you. how can people find more just about you if they want to align with you, if they want to look you up, where can they find you? Yeah. So, uh, I have a website and Everything mm-hmm. is on there or just Instagram, same thing. And, and Malum. there's not too many people with my name. So it makes it easy. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, and I have, I'm going to ask you the same question. I, I end with all my guests and I'd love to hear your perspective on this. If you okay. were to give someone a piece of advice and remember listeners, you got to implement because knowledge without implementation is useless. So if you were to give someone some advice that they were to implement, what would you say that would make it impossible to fail? Um, I, when possible to fail is you got to go all in. And when you, when you go all in and whether that's money or, you know, quitting your job, you got to have some level of pressure for the right thing. I'm not saying like, oh, you don't care about this one thing, but go all in, that's not going to cut it. Whatever it is that's driving you that you've been thinking about for the last four years that you can't stop thinking about, but you just don't like you got to create some sort of pressure for yourself. Mm-hmm. You will be amazed. It is the whole, you know, oh, I don't run and well, wait till a bear is chasing you and then you'll run. <laughs> when, when, when you have a lot on the line, I mean, mm-hmm. that is how I felt that solid court rob of mm-hmm. all my money was in that first studio. I was mm-hmm. like, I don't have an option. I have to make this work. It yeah. got every ounce of energy and time. It was mm-hmm. that important. And like mm-hmm. the stakes were that high. Epic. Go all in from Ann Malum herself. That's great. And thank you so much thank for being you. here. I've really enjoyed our conversation. I look forward to being on your show later this yeah. month. Yeah. And uh, just again, massive congratulations on all your success. And thank you. Thank you so much for pouring into our, our audience today. Thank you. Really nice to spend some time with you, Rob. Absolutely.